get labeled, when we look back, some people get labeled as good, some people as great, some people as bad, some people as evil. How does this happen? There is no such thing as goodness and badness as such. It is just that when crucial moments present themselves in front of us, at that moment what kind of choices we make, make us seem like either good or bad. Some will repeatedly make those kind of choices which are harmful to themselves and everybody around them. Some will make choices constantly being concerned about what will happen because of their choices. This is all is the difference between Duryodhana and Yudhishthira or just about anybody or anybody. What kind of choices do you make at different situations that are presented to you in your life? Are the choices springing from exclusiveness or inclusiveness? Are the choices springing from the needs of the body or the nature of the being? Are the choices springing from your individuality or the universal nature of life is… of life? The choice is just this, that you can choose to become smaller or larger. One who functions as a larger being gets judged as a great being. One who functions in between becomes a good being. One who functions 
from the smallness of who he is becomes a bad being. Karna, karmic burden of life's forgotten, make him mean by things unseen. A good man who is no good, a great being only when he stops being, a fate's child, best untouched. Karna is a sweet mango gone bad. He's a wonderful human being, gone totally bad because he invests in bitterness. He does not know what is his parentage, but the people who brought him up, brought him up with great love. Radha, his mother and Adiratha loved him immensely brought him up very well, the way they knew it. Always he remembered how much his mother loved him. He says, that is one person who loved me for who I am. Wherever he went, people referred to him as Sutta, only because he was trying to be his ambitions as to where he wants to be. But whichever way, out of his competence and the will of fate, he becomes a king, but still he's unhappy. He nourishes bitterness within himself. He's a cribber right through his life. He cribs all the time that he is being referred to as a sutta. It doesn't matter. If you look at his life, as far as he is concerned, he was a charioteer's son. In the fact of it is, he is a charioteer's son and now he has become a king. He should be really happy, but he is not. He is always bitter that somebody refers to him as something. It doesn't matter what somebody refers to him, he has become a king. And in many ways, a big king's sidekick. You know, Duryodhana holds him dear and he takes advice from him and he has everything that life can offer, but he's bitter. About his so-called low birth, this bitterness makes a wonderful human being into such a nasty and ugly character in the story. He is a great human being, he will show his greatness in many ways as the story progresses. I think I'll break off from the story and talk about people <laughs> When Kunti was just fourteen years of age and she pleased Durvasa and he gave her the mantra that she can call any god that she wants, she just wanted to cry it out. She went out and looked, the sun was coming up gloriously and she said, I want the sun god. The sun god came and impregnated her and she bore a child and being an unwed mother of fourteen years of age, she did not know how to face the social situation, so she put this child in a wooden box and let him float in the river. She struggled with it, but she is a woman with a certain sense of purpose when the purpose is clear to her, she will do anything, you will see as time goes. Her sense of pur purpose sits like cold liquid in her heart. She let this infant float away, not knowing where he will go and not knowing where he went. So this little infant floated away down the river. Adiratha, a charioteer in Dhritarashtra's palace, was at the river and he saw this box, a very ornamental looking box and he picked it up. When he opened, he saw this little infant and he was childless and he was so happy and he thought it's God's gift for him and he went and took it to his wife Radha. Both of them are overjoyed and overwhelmed 
looking at the nature of the box, they knew this box cannot be from an ordinary home, this is from a palace. Some queen or some king have left this baby and they do not know who, but they are too glad they got this child and this child came and filled their childless life. So they took this child and nurtured him and they found certain strange qualities about him, that is as an infant he had earrings around his thing, golden earrings and he had a kind of a natural armor around his chest. And the child looked like a phenomenal child, a child of destiny in many ways, looked more than ordinary and they were too glad to have this child and Radha brought him up with utmost love. And Adhiratha being a charioteer wanted to teach Karna how to drive a chariot, but Karna's heart raged to become an archer. He came to Drona, but Drona looked at him and said, you are not a Kshatriya, I cannot accept you here, this is a school for Kshatriyas. And by then, he was being referred to as Sutaputra, it's a derogatory term to say that somebody is low-born. So this name stuck to him that he is a Sutaputra and it stung him. Every time this was used, it stung him so deeply that he became meaner and meaner and meaner. This discrimination made this man who was a very honest and forthright man, became extremely mean because of constant usage of this one discriminatory and derogatory word that he is a Sutaputra. When people went on repeating Sutaputra, his meanness, the barometer of his meanness rose higher and higher and he exhibited such levels of meanness that it was uncharacteristic of him. So he went because they were rejecting him because he's not a Kshatriya, he went to Parashurama, who is the greatest martial art teacher. When I say martial arts, don't think only hand combat, they were teaching every kind, particularly archery. Karna wants to become a great archer too. He went to Parashurama and he knew Parashurama will not accept anybody if they are Kshatriyas or anything, he will accept only Brahmanas. So he wore a sacred thread, a fake thread. And he went in his eagerness to learn, he went and told Parashurama, I am a Brahmana. Parashurama took him as a disciple and taught him everything. Karuna le Karna learned everything super fast because of his natural skill and competence. And Parashurama was heavily pleased with his disciple. He had not seen another disciple who learned things so fast, he gave him everything that he knew. And Parshurama had turned old. He has lived through generations of people. And in the afternoon, when they were training in the forest, he felt tired and faint. He said, I want to lie down. So when he… when the guru went to lie down, Karna went, sat down and gave him his lap. And Parashurama put his head on Karna's lap and napped in the afternoon. In the forest, a boring worm crawled up to Karna's thigh and started boring into his thigh. In the inside of his thigh, where he could not put his hand and remove it, unless he disturbed his guru's sleep. Parashurama was napping, an old man snoring and sleeping, but this worm kept boring into his thigh and he was in extraordinary pain, but he held on and he just sat because he did not want to disturb Parashurama's sleep. He simply sat there and he bled. The blood slowly touched Parashurama's ears and the dampness of it woke him up. He woke up and he saw he was full of blood. Whose blood is this? he asked. Karna said, it is my blood, not yours, it is me. What happened? he saw. There was a wide open wound. The boring worm had bored into his thigh muscle, but 
this boy was just sitting there unmoving. Parishuram looked at him and said, you cannot be a brahmana because if you are a brahmana you would have screamed. If a mosquito bites you would scream. You must be a kshatriya. To take this kind of wound and not even wince, not even move a little bit, you must be a kshatriya. Have you lied to me? You are not a brahmana. He said, please don't be angry with me. Yes, I am not a brahmana. And Parashurama flew into a rage, you idiot. You think you can come here, wear a sacred thread falsely and deceive me into getting all this out of me? And here is my curse. Karna begged, please, I am not a kshatriya also. I am a sutraputra, I am not a brahmana, that's true. It's only half a lie. Parashurama was not listening to any of these things. The moment he saw the wound, he rightly presumed that he is a kshatriya. And he said, you have deceived me. You will enjoy what I have taught you, but when it really matters, you will forget the mantras that you need and that will be your end. Karna fell at his feet and begged, please don't do this, I am not a kshatriya and I had no intention of deceiving you, it is just that I have been dying to learn and nobody is willing to teach me. You are the only one who would allow a non-kshatriya to learn. Please, then Bhargava said, Parashurama's temperatures came down and he said, okay, but still you lied. You shouldn't have lied, you should have explained. You should have debated with me, you shouldn't have lied to me. So I cannot take back my curse, but I see your longing is not for archery, your longing is not for kingdoms, your longing is not for power, your longing is just for glory and you shall have it. People will always remember you as a glorious warrior, but you will neither have power nor kingdom, nor will you be known as the greatest archer, but your glory will live for always because that's all you're longing for. So with this curse on him, Karna wanders on, despondent, happy that he's received all this, happy with his own talent, but where to find expression? Unless you're a kshatriya, you're not going to enter into a battle, you're not going to enter into a competition. You can shoot anything blind, but you can't show off because what you're seeking is glory and glory is still not possible for you. Despondent came and sat, walked down south, sat on the seashore, somewhere in the present state of Orissa, somewhere near Konark. It is in his memory and considering this is why the Konark temple, the sun temple was built. He came to that point where the sun's grace could be received at at its best, at that latitude, he came near Konark and went into sadhana, an austerity, where he sat in meditation for long hours, for days on end. There was nothing to eat, but he sat hungry. When he got very hungry, he just caught a few crabs and ate them, which only increased his hunger, not decreased. It nourished him, but his hunger grew. After a few weeks of sadhana, his hunger was bigger than anything else. In that state, he felt in the bushes an animal moved and he thought it must be a deer and he took his bow and arrow and shot it blind. And he heard the arrow found its mark. He thought with a rich venison meal, venison, or the deer meat, he is going to quench his hunger. He came there and to horror he found it was a cow. Killing a cow was considered the worst thing that a Arya could do. And he was horrified that he killed a cow. So he looked at the cow, the cow looked at him with soft gentle eyes for the last time and closed. It tormented him, he was just distraught, he did not know what to do. At that time, a brahmana came, he looked at the cow and wailed. He said, you have killed my cow. 
and he said, May you be cursed, you look like a warrior, may you be cursed when you are in battle. When it really matters, your chariot will sink into the earth in a way that you can't reclaim it. And you will be killed when you are helpless as you killed a helpless car. Karna fell at his feet and begged, Please, I was too hungry, I did not know it's a car. I killed it unknowingly. If you want, I will give you a hundred cows. Brahmana said, this is not an animal for me. This was dearer to me than my daughter. And you are telling me you will give me hundred daughters to replace my daughter. You will be cursed more for this, for having insulted me that you think you can replace my child with another. Your curse, curse is confirmed double curse. Karna wandered on, not knowing where to go. He could shoot a speck of dust with his arrows, but what to do? He is not a Kshatriya, nobody will take him into your battle, he can't get into your contest. He wandered on and the Pandavas and Kauravas came to a graduation ceremony of their martial arts and they were having a kind of a, a display, not really a competition, more a display. But it is done as a display to build confidence in the citizenry. The whole citizenry of Hastinapuras gathered and the young princes want to display their capabilities so that people feel confident they have young men who will protect them. People feel confident there are young men who will bring wealth and well-being to their nation. But between the Pandavas and Kauravas, it is not a display, it's a competition unto death within themselves. So the display started, various things happened, obviously Bhima and Arjuna… Bhima and Duryodhana fought till they were exhausted, nobody able to beat each other, everybody displayed their thing and the final event is Arjuna's event because his, uh, his archery has gained magical dimensions. Archery and occult was seriously married in those times. So he uses occult weaponry and created mountains. He created Himalayas in the stadium. People were awestruck that snow-clad mountains stood up like this and disappeared. He created oceans, he created wind, he created desert, he created this forest and whatever they wanted. Out of occult powers, he just created this and he just burrowed himself into the de desert and came out of a mountain. He jumped into an ocean and came out of a cave. Like this he displayed his art, nobody else to match him and he was enjoying the attention. And people were awestruck that somebody could do such magical things. When all this was happening, a golden warrior strolled into the stadium. His very demeanor and his bearing was such, people held their breath and watched him. Okay, who is he? Is this a surprise? And it was a surprise because nobody knew who he is. Karna walked into the stadium. He kind of gate crashed into the, into the display because he's been dying to display his capabilities and there's no place for him. Then he said, Oh Arjuna, when there is no competition, being a winner doesn't mean anything. You run your own hundred meters in your house and say, I'm the champion, I'm the champion. It's no good. When you run with the best in the world, that's competition, isn't <laughs> it? So he said, Oh Arjuna, winning a competition when there are no competitors is not victory. And without another word, he started displaying his occult and archery. And everything was way better than what Arjuna did. His mountains were taller, oceans were bigger, wings were, winds were stronger, forests were thicker, everything. His occult was better 
than Arjuna's. His archery was way better than Arjuna's. So when Duryodhana saw there is an archer for taking, because Duryodhana's biggest concern is among his brothers, there is no archer. He is confident one day he will beat Bhima. He is confident many of his brothers will kill Nakula and Sahadeva. He is confident they can knock down Yudhishthira one day by just giving a sermon on dharma. <laughs> but he is only worried about Arjuna because there is no archer to match him. When he saw Karna and his competence, he immediately grabbed him. He said, when Karna came and he showed all this, Arjuna interfered and said, this man is not a Kshatriya, who is he? Whose son are you? How dare you walk into this competition? Bhima stood up and said, whose son are you? Reveal this. Now, a great archer who is better than Arjuna suddenly shrank in confidence. When they asked, who is your father? He said, my father is Adiratha. Then they said, oh, you're a Sutaputra and you have entered this stadium, just leave. This is for Kshatriyas. Then Duryodhana saw the greatest opportunity in his life is sitting right in front of him and he is not going to let it pass by. He said, no way. He stood up and pleaded on behalf of Karna to the king. He said, oh father, how can this happen? In the Shastras say there are three ways a man can become a king. Somebody can become a king because he is born to a king or he because he defeated a king in his skill and valor or he has taken a kingdom, he has built a kingdom by himself that he created a kingdom, so he is a king. So Karna is right now here and if this is a problem that Arjuna does not want to compete with him because he is sure to lose. Just because he is not a king, here I will make him a king. There is a small kingdom of ours, far away lands, which is called as Anga, which is presently known as Bangladesh. <laughs> he said, the kingdom of Anga is without a king. Here I will coronate Karna as a king. And he brought the priest and co instant coronation he did and he said, he is Angaraja, he is the king of Anga. Now, let not Arjuna hide behind somebody's birth. I don't care who his father is. I embrace Karna as my friend and he hugged him and he said, you are my brother and you are a king. So the archer that he was looking for walked into his lap and Karna was overwhelmed because his whole life he was discriminated against because of his presumed birth of low birth or whatever. And here a king's son stood up for him, embraced him, made him a king right there. So his loyalty was bound for life. You will see this loyalty, this loyalty without reason sometimes took such disastrous turns over a period of time. So situations come later on. You saw the things that he said when, Draup when Draupati is in the state that she was. That is not him, but that is him. This is what human beings make of themselves. It doesn't matter how much goodness is invested in you, but if you invest in bitterness, this is what human beings make of themselves. If only if he was happy, if he was not bitter, he could have changed the course of everything. Karna is an indomitable warrior. He could, he could have stood by his friend and won anything that he wanted and made his friend into a great emperor and he would sit next to him always and he is also a king. They could have lived well, both of them. But because of this bitterness, in many ways it is Karna who turns everything wrong. It does not matter. Shakuni is always doing things, but still it is Karna's advice which always seals the deal for Duryodhana. 
After everything is done, he looks at Karna. What shall we do? Karna says, this is it, we have to do this. Simply out of bitterness that somebody referred to him as low-born, low-born or high-born, right now he's highly placed. He's not happy about that, he's bitter. This bitterness takes him into disastrous life story, dies in the battle in a bad way. And he's a man of phenomenal sense of integrity and generosity, but all this is lost. When I say phenomenal sense of generosity and integrity, when war becomes inevitable, when Krishna comes to sue peace, sue for peace, Duryodhana and Karna try to take him captive. He comes as a messenger of peace. He says, let me give it a last chance. Everything is gone bad, battle is on, almost on. People have arrayed themselves on either side. Everybody is ready to fight. But Krishna says, let's give peace one more chance. The Pandavas said, don't go because it is not even safe to go there, they're just ready for anything. Krishna says, it doesn't matter, I'll give it one more try. Let's see if we can avoid this cruel war. And he comes here, he kind of engineers that his path crosses Karna's path. He comes to Karna and he says, why are you doing this to yourself? This is not what you are and let me tell you what is your parentage. Suddenly Krishna, Karna breaks down, he always wanted to know who he is, where did he come from, who let him off in that river in that little box. Krishna said, you are the son of Kunti, your father is Surya Deva. Karna breaks down. Suddenly, he realizes he's been actively trying to nurture hatred towards these five people, even though it was not naturally so. Because he has gratitude for Duryodhana, somewhere he believes he must hate these five people. Though there is no hatred in his heart, he works it up, he works it up all the time and comes out with meaner than if Shakuni says one mean thing, he will say the next mean thing. He won't stop there because he's working up his hatred always, trying to prove his loyalty, trying to be grateful forever for what Duryodhana has done to him, accepting him as a king, giving him a position and place in the palace. So Karna breaks down and says, who else knows this? Krishna says, Kunti knows this and Bhishma knows this. Karna breaks down even more. If Bhishma knew this, why? Why is he so angry with me? Why is he… why does he dislike me so much? Krishna says, he does not dislike you, but he knows your fate. He is trying to get you out of the way, but you are determined to be in the way. He is doing everything to somehow get you out of the way because he knows if you are out of the way, Duryodhana will never have the courage to do what he is heading to do. But you are not going out of the way, come with me. Come join your brothers. It is unbecoming of you to fight against your own brothers. Come and join them, war is inevitable. You join that side, most probably, Duryodhana will back off. Karna goes down on his knees, unable to bear his emotion, but then bravely stands up and says, I cannot give up my friend and goes back to Duryodhana. One more attempt will be made on him. Indra, who is the father of Arjuna, knows well that if Arjuna and Karna stands in battle, Karna will win. So what makes Karna who he is, is in his previous life, 
he was Dhambodbhava, a Kshatriya who unleashed terror across lands because his whole thing is glory. He is phenomenally capable, a warrior of phenomenal capability and because he is Surya's son, he has a kavacha, he had one thousand kavachas they say. So Nara Narayana together, that is current Krishna and Arjuna together broke nine hundred and ninety-nine kavachas of Dhambodbhava. And when he saw there's only one more, he went back to his father, the sun god. And now once again he's born as socially illegitimate son of Kunti. And he has this kavacha. So he has this thing, in the morning every day, he prays to sun god, not knowing sun god is his father. And immediately after his prayer, if anybody comes and asks him anything, anything, he will give it to them. Knowing this, Indra will disguise himself as a brahmana and come. But before he comes, Surya Deva comes to save him and tells him, Indra will come and ask for your kavacha, don't give him. Give him anything you want, don't give him. If you give this, you will die in the battle. Then he says to his father, Father, the only thing that I have in my life is honor. My life means nothing to me. You are asking me to give away my honor. I have vowed immediately after my prayers, anybody who asks anything, I will not say no and I will not say no and that's all. Surya Deva pleads with him, don't do this. But when Indra comes and asks, without hesitation, this armor which was stuck to his body, he chops it off, he takes his sword and cuts it out. He peels the skin and gives away his armor to his father, to, to Indra, knowing fully well this means sure defeat in the battle. So his sense of honor, his sense of justice, his sense of his word is so big within himself. One more attempt will be made on him. This is a real mean attempt. When battle is on or just about on, Kunti comes to him. His battle is on already but he is not fighting because Bhishma says, if Karna is fighting, I will not be the chief of the army. I will not be the commander of the army if Karna is fighting. So Karna, a great warrior, is a bench sitter in the war. That is the worst thing for him. His whole life is about glory in the battle, glory in the battle, but he is a bench sitter. He… he cannot fight because Bhishma says he will not be the commander and nobody wants that. So he is just sitting in his tent. War is going on, his blood is raging, he wants to fight, he wants to fight, but he cannot fight, sits there. What if he cannot fight? That is not how it is. They have lived for this, they want to fight. Their whole life is about being warriors and if they cannot fight, there's nothing else they can do. So it is as good as chopping off his hands and legs, simply sits there with the strength that he has in his body, the skill that he has, not to go into the battle. When the battle is raging, to sit here hands tied is the worst thing that could happen to him, but he sits there because there is no other way in utter shame. Then Kunti comes to him and when he sees her, for the first time, he knows that all these days he looked at, looked at her in some other way. But for the first time he knows that she's his mother, he completely breaks down and hugs her. And after all the emotion is over, Kunti says, you just come with me. You come with me, you will be the king, not Yudhishthira, 
because you are the eldest and Yudhishthira will have no problem. Joyfully he will hand over the kingdom to you. He's been doing it all along <laughs> Karna with tears in his eyes shakes his head. She goes further and she says, you can have Draupadi. She's… she's the queen. If you become the king, she will be your wife. He looks at her with a certain, who are you? Because he desired Draupati and he went into the contest, but because she said she will not marry a Sutta, he came out, she says, you can… Draupati will be your queen, you will be the king, you come with me. Karna says, I will not desert my friend when he needs me most. I know I am on the wrong side, but this is my fate, this is my destiny, I don't wish to change it. Bhargava, Parashurama has blessed me that I will have glory in war and that's all I seek, but I will not. Mother, don't stay here for one more moment, leave. Don't stay here for a moment more because my heart may weaken. I do not want to give up my friend at this hour. He stood by me, I will not let him down now and he goes to his death. Karna knows they are going to lose the overall battle, but for him the only thing that really matters is he want to have the glory of ending a man's life who is believed to be the greatest Kshatriya ever who is Arjuna. He wants to kill Arjuna and then he doesn't mind. Even if he loses the battle, because he knows Krishna will not let the Kauravas win. If everything goes bad, he will enter the, enter the battle himself and he will see that it is won. So his thing is only glory and by now, he knows that Pandavas are his own brothers. So he wants glory. So one by one, he attacks Pandava brothers, he comes to… he defeats Yudhishthira, disarms him, comes close to him when Yudhishthira, terrified and ready to die, stands in front of Karna, unarmed. Karna comes and pokes him on the chest with his bow, with the tip of his bow and says, I don't think men like you should be fighting on a battlefield when I am here. It's best you go back to your wife. Maybe it's not the time for you probably, maybe it's the other brother. He is taunting, saying, go back to your wife. But maybe, oh, you can't go back, maybe it is not the time. He's, he's not giving up that taunt. Then he defeats Bhima and taunts him. He says, with all this muscle, what are you going to do? Like a bull you have grown, if I want I take off your head, but what is the use taking off the head of children? Go. Nakula, Sahadeva, he does the same things because he's promised that he will not kill them. He's keeping his promise but he wants to have glory that he defeated them. He lives for glory, he lives for glory and he's willing to die for it. The only one he wants to kill is Arjuna. When Indira came and asked for Karna's kavacha or his armor, you remember? The sun god warned him in spite of that, he gave away his kavacha or his armor. At that time, even Indra was pleased with his sense of sacrifice because he's promised even though he knows that it's sure death if he removes this, in spite of that, he gave it away. At that time, Karna asks, give me your Shakti for the Kavacha and the Kundala. So men will say, Indra gave Karna his own Ayuda in return for what he took from him. The Shakti will not save my life, that is doomed anyway. 
but I feel strange love for you and I want to protect your reputation. Because what you're doing is so dastardly, knowing fully well, I'm going into the battle, you're asking for my armor. This is the most dastardly thing, the king of gods doing this, your reputation will go. So at least give me your Shakti Astra, so that people in future will at least feel that Indra did some exchange. And anyway, this Shakti is not going to save my life, it is just that it will save your reputation. The man is always within himself is strutting with a certain glory about himself, because glory is everything for him. Then Indra says to Karna, win or lose the war, it's a small matter. Today you have won immortal fame with the arms you have given me. I name you Vaikartana for cutting your kavacha from your flesh. And men will say ever after that the greatest of all arms givers was not Indra but Karna. As long as the world lives, Karna your fame shall live in it and that's all he wanted. So both of them got what they wanted and now the battle is on, he is without the kavacha but he's got shakti. This one astra, he can kill Arjuna, he's saving it for Arjuna. He will end Arjuna and then he is quite powerless without that and he will be killed by somebody. Gatodgacha is letting loose. By now, the night rules are over, night also they're fighting. This occult powers of Bhima's son who came from the south is such, there is… they don't even know which way to fight, which direction to face because illusory armies are all over the place. Even from the sky, so Kaurava army doesn't even know which way to turn and indiscriminate slaughter, free… you know, it's a free run for Pandavas. Then it is night time, particularly in the night, Gatodgacha becomes… because these people broke the rule of the night and started the war in the night. When they were fighting in the day, Gatodgacha was just one more warrior, but in the night he is a different kind because his occult powers come to full flowering in the night, and he is just letting loose havoc. So then Duryodhana looked at this, he said, this night Kaurava army will end. He tells Karna, use the Shakti, kill this giant. Karna hesitates because he's saving this one thing for Arjuna. If he uses this up, this dream of killing Arjuna will be over. He hesitates. Suddenly Duryodhana looks at him suspiciously, what is the matter? What is the matter? He… always he has this problem that maybe somebody's loyalty has shifted. Man lives in that kind of fear. He questions Karna's loyalty. So Karna says, I have come here to die for you. I have not come here to win the war. I have not come here to rule. I have not come here to get a kingdom. I have come here to die for you. I am not doing anything less than what I should do. If you insist, I will use the Shakti. And he used the Shakti and brought down Gatodgacha. And suddenly, all the occult powers were gone and it was a normal battle once again. Once Krishna came to know Karna has used up the Shakti, then he told Arjuna, Tomorrow morning you must get Karna, that's it. He's finished. So next day morning they get Karna in a way that is not usually approved, but by then everything, nothing is approved or disapproved, people are doing whatever they want, everybody. Karna is carrying the, the bondage of two curses in his life. One thing is Parashurama has cursed him, when you really need it, you will forget the mantras. Another is the Brahmin whose cow was killed has cursed him that when you're fighting battle, 
and in, when it's a moment of life or death, at that moment your chariot wheels will sink. And when you're helpless, as you killed my helpless cow, when the cow was simply helpless, unprotected, you killed it, just like that you will die. So, Karna fighting Arjuna, lot of drama happens and uh, then Karna's wheel goes down. He comes down and trying to get the wheel out. In normal battle rules, when it is down like that, they don't shoot at him, they wait for him to get back on the chariot. So Karna says, I'm sure you're Kshatriya enough not to shoot at me when I'm down. Of course, uh, Arjuna also thinks he is a warrior enough to not to shoot and he waits. Krishna asks, what are you waiting for? Now let him release his chariot wheel. Krishna's, you know, his patience is running out. He says, kill him. Arjuna protests but he's unarmed. It does not matter, kill him. He's trying to get his chariot wheel out, break the chariot. So he breaks the chariot. Then Karna knows that, that they're going to fight even if he's down. So he picks up his bow, he says, break his bow, breaks it when he's standing totally unarmed. He says, take off his head. So Arjuna takes off his head. So Karna goes down. A great man and a great tragedy and a great mistake all his life. Not evil, just a big mistake he is. People who are conversant with uh, Mahabharata, Karna is a kind of an anti-hero. There's a whole lot of people. Even here, there are Karna fans all over the place. <laughs> They're a little distressed, I'm not saying good enough things about him. What else can I say? A great being gone bad. <laughs> So, uh, his life is a kind of a continuous tragedy. He's always miserable because he cannot come to terms with what he's being labeled as. He gets many things. From being a chariot of sun, he becomes a king and uh, his advice is the most valued advice 
for his king. In spite of that, he's always miserable because somewhere deep inside he knows everything that he's doing is wrong. He knows it's wrong but his loyalty is strong. So he continues to do it. It goes to various pitches of sense of tragedy and sacrifice. Sacrifice and tragedy, alternately his life moves like this. In a way, people would like to see for no fault of his, I think that's what even the song is saying, right? For no fault of his, uh, he's placed in a predicament uh, that uh, he finds himself. He cannot be a brother, he cannot call himself the son of Kunti and uh, it's actually no fault of his and he has to be loyal to the friend who gave him shelter. In short, he's a hero and actually he's a good man, the song says. And it's Krishna's doing that he lands himself in the position. So, uh, it may be no fault of yours. If you happen to be in the wrong place, you could get hit by life. It may be no fault of yours. The fault is that you're in the wrong place, that's the fault. He displays his sense of sacrifice continuously, but no good comes out of it because one thing that mattered too much to him kind of destroyed him. What mattered to him too much was that he wants to be somebody that he is not, at least in the society. Maybe he is in reality, but in the society he wants to be somebody who he is not. Because of this obsession, he continuously blunders. He's an intelligent man, he had enough sense to see that what Duryodhana is doing is wrong, but he goads him. He doesn't just participate or he's not just a passive participant, he's an active participant and not only that, he goads him many times. Very easily, Karna could have turned the direction of the whole story. Duryodhana's life could have been saved if only Karna used his intelligence rather than his loyalty and gratitude, which he failed to use and continuously he went from one blunder to another. Karna, when Kunti comes, when the war is on and says, please, you are capable of killing all my five sons and you are my son too. Don't kill your brothers, just come, join up with us, everything will be yours. Karna struggles because all his life his struggle was wanting to know who he is and here his mother is standing with him but he cannot take her because of his loyalty to his friend. Rightly so, not at that stage, if it had happened much earlier, maybe he would have looked at it differently. Now the battle is on, now to abandon and go that side would be disastrous, not, not disastrous, it would be dastardly to do it, he wouldn't do such a thing. We have to appreciate that, that he did not do such a thing. But Kunti pleads because all that she has worked for is going to be destroyed the moment he enters the battlefield. You need to understand why this talk about how one man can win the war, how one man can win the war. Because the loss of war was such that if a man is fighting, one individual is fighting another individual, nobody else would attack them. Here and there they broke it later on when it got very intense, that's a different matter. But normally the law is such, if two archers are battling, somebody cannot go and poke him with a sword. If two swordsmen are fighting, somebody cannot shoot him with an arrow. So this is all set. And most of the time, battles were settled, armies gathered for a battle. But then usually the wise kings would decide, one swordsman from this side, one swordsman from that side will fight. Whoever wins, 
it's decided. Once they've agreed, not going back on the word. Not going back on your word is the biggest thing in the whole process, which causes so many disasters, but still people stick to it because that's very important. It is sometimes stretched to such extremes. About karna and the fear of karna that Kunti has is because in the battlefield, if he stands for individual contest with any of his other five… with any of her other five sons, for sure they will be dead, including Arjuna, though Ar Arjuna does not believe so. And Krishna is aware of it too, that if they stand for battle, he clearly tells Arjuna in the battlefield, Karna will easily kill you. You have no chance against him. You have to kill him when he's down. He says, no, this is not Kshatriya Dharma, I will not do it. If you don't do it, you will be dead. If you don't do it, I will do it. So Karna says, when the mother goes on begging for the lives of her other five sons, he says, I will spare the four. Arjuna, I will not spare because their enmity was from the first moment they saw each other, it was on. He said, you only claimed to the world that you have only five sons, though you knew you have six. If I kill Arjuna, you will still have five. Your number game is going great, so no problem. <laughs> Arjuna and Karna, both are war machines, that's their only dream in their life is to be the best archer. Who is the best archer? Arjuna and Karna, if you compare them, in every way Karna is better equipped, but he makes wrong choices. And that's the thing with life. It doesn't matter what you have, if you make wrong choices, it goes somewhere else. So this is a classic example between Arjuna and Karna. Karna is elder to him, more qualified in every way, a better warrior, a better archer, a better man. But Arjuna is the man in the whole scene because he makes the right choices. Existence is not making a judgment who is good or bad. Whoever does the right things, for him it yields. It is only social situations which are trying to judge people as good and bad. It is only individual human beings who are trying to judge you as good and bad. Everybody, all the Karna fans think it's unfair that he should be put through this. I think it's perfectly fair, the existence is perfectly fair. Society may not be fair, but the existence is perfectly fair that unless you do the right things, right things will not happen to you. If, la if existence was not like this, there would be no value for doing the right things. There would be no value for human intelligence. There would be no value for the right judgment that a human being makes. Nothing would be valuable if you can do the wrong things and right things will happen to you. Nothing that we value in our lives would be valuable if you could do wrong things and still right things will happen to you. Life doesn't work like that.